0: Hello there, friends, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the Muppet Movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe.
1: And I'm your other host, Anthony Strand.
0: And we're very happy to have today's extremely special return guest with us. Introduce yourself, return guest.
2: Hello, I am Ryan's younger sister, Erin.
0: Welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for joining us again. Today we're looking at minutes 85 and 86 of the Muppet movie, in which Lou Lord's receptionist continues to deny the Muppets access, but they get in anyway and confront Lou Lord himself. So we pick up from last time with Cloris Leechman as a receptionist, telling Kermit that he can't just come in off the street, especially not with all these animals, to which Kermit replies, animals, what's wrong with animals? And then, of course, animal has the line, animal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love the idea that animal says his name like a game show host.
0: <laughs> yeah. If
1: animal has the line, "Animal."
0: And that's, that's exactly what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the receptionist, oh, oh yeah, this is something I, I was gonna, I was, talked last week about how great Cloris Leachman was in her limited screen time. So she has the line, this is a movie studio, not a zoo. But she just gives it the perfect delivery. And I can't even really recreate it, but it's like, this is a movie studio, not a zoo. She just puts so Whoa. much into it.
1: What I love about it is how the word zoo almost comes out like the first sound is like a... It's like, this is a movie studio, not a zoo. Like, it's just this, like, haughty 1930s society aunt delivery.
2: Yeah, I actually had to listen to that line a few times because I couldn't understand what she was saying uh, when she was saying zoo. Just because, you know, she was just... She put such an emphasis on it. I kept thinking she was saying new.
0: This is a movie studio, not a new.
2: Yeah. And I was like, what's a new?
0: (laughs) I don't know. What's a new with you?
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I really like the way she says it.
0: Yes, it's perfect. She just rings every possible drop of comedy out of that one line. Mm -hmm. So good. So she's ordering them to leave. Why? Because she's allergic to animal fur. (laughs) And uh, so we, we talked about this last time, like, Worldwide Studios put an ad in Variety seeking frogs. So I feel like even if she's going to make the others all wait outside or leave the building, shouldn't she at least let Kermit in to see Lou Lord?
1: Well, and even Kermit thinks it's like because he doesn't ha- Kermit says, I may not be one of your fancy Hollywood frogs, but I deserve a chance. Which means that Kermit is thinking something like, is it because I don't have an agent or something, you know? <laughs> Which I never thought about before.
0: Because he didn't bring in, like, his 8x10 headshots. Right.
1: right. Although, I wonder who these fancy Hollywood frogs are. Um, I, I, I could think of one. Michigan, Michigan jay J frog Michigan J. J-Frog, yes. <laughs> other than that, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that's probably partly how Kermit became such a big star. Because there was room in Hollywood for a famous frog. Because, yeah, I can't really think of any others. So, yeah, we we mentioned last week in the June 12th draft of the screenplay, she told them that the auditions were actually canceled. But here it's just like she doesn't want to let them in. And by the way, they have to leave because she's allergic to animals. Um, But Kermit here, they've come too far. Kermit says they're going to sit right here in the office until she gives them a chance. She starts sneezing. And Kermit turns up the fan in the corner of the office, so all this fur blows toward the receptionist. Um, fur
1: and feathers, you know, Camilla's there.
0: Right. Yeah. So, as far as I can tell, there are four characters here who are like you could reasonably expect would give her trouble with her allergies, and that would be Fozzie, a bear, Ralph, mm-hmm. a dog. Miss Piggy, a pig, and Camilla, a chicken. She doesn't have fur, but she has feathers. Um, I I mean,
1: I I think animal clearly is Like Animal could be.
0: Yeah, so that's what I was getting. I mean, Gonzo, we don't really know what he is. Maybe he's an animal. Maybe she's allergic to him. Um, (laughs) I I don't know if... Is anyone allergic to frogs? Is there anyone who's allergic to frog dander?
1: She specifically says animal hair, and frogs don't have any hair.
0: That's true. Although Kermit is fuzzy. (laughs)
1: yeah just because he's made out of felt,
0: i think yeah but all the other guys are are humanoids so like bunsen beaker janice dr teeth floyd zoot they're they're definitely people ish
1: you left out scooter (laughs) poor scooter oh yeah
0: well scooter is not in the shot that i happen to be looking at at this exact moment but yeah scooter is also human-ish um but animal yeah it's so interesting that we specifically see animals for flying and then uh, Floyd even says, go get him, Animal. So it's like, I, isn't Animal kind of supposed to be a person too? Like he's a guy in the band or is he some sort of animalistic creature or am I thinking about it too much?
1: Well, <laughs> you're definitely thinking about it too much. But that's you. the whole. That's what we're doing here.
0: Yes. I mean,
1: we've made it through 43 episodes of this podcast, overthinking the Muppet movie. So don't stop now. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, I think I think Animal is supposed to be a. Let's say he's more of like a um, Sasquatch or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's you're.
1: A let's call Animal a cryptid.
0: Oh, I kind of like that. Yeah. So you you don't think he's a person in the same way that that like Scooter is a person.
1: I think Floyd puts him on a leash and takes him for walks.
0: That's true. Yeah. all mm-hmm. right. Um, Also, I just now noticed that it looks like right when the fan starts, like, there's a really big, like, lock of hair that falls right off of Animal's head. Animal is going bald. Yeah. I I wonder if then there's maybe, like, a a crew member or an assistant puppeteer down there, like, sort of tossing that up into the fan so it catches it and blows across the room.
1: So I...
2: I went, I, when I was doing my research for this podcast, um, I looked up the movie on IMDb and I was just reading through the goofs. You know, IMDb has like a section where there's like, you know, little things that might've gone wrong.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, they list. So it says that when they first enter the front office and speak to the secretary, the fan is already turned on in the background However, Kermit then turns the fan on from the off position to spread the animal dander. But I kept going back to try and watch that, and I didn't quite see the where the goof was. All
1: right. Yeah, I think he turns it up. I think, I think it's just already on because it's a hot day in the summer in Los Angeles. And then he turns it up.
2: Yeah.
0: So, oh, well, you know, it's, it looks like it's... Holding still in this... Well, no, it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, it might have been just on a lower setting and he turns it up. But yeah, um, yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if nobody was really paying attention to that in the previous shot.
2: Yeah, I don't know how anybody would have ever, like, found that as a goof.
0: <laughs> yeah, you'd have to be paying very close attention.
2: Because then I kept going back and looking for it and I couldn't find it. And then I wanted to, you know, and then I was like, well, that's, that's not even a goof. If you're going <laughs> to, you know, if you're going to say that they messed something up, then or make sure that they actually did mess it up.
0: Sounds like that IMDB editor is the one who made the goof.
2: I know, exactly.
0: I would say inconclusive at best.
2: Okay, me too. I'll send a letter.
0: (laughs) Dear (laughs) Mr. IMDB. (laughs) uh, All this hair and and feathers are flying everywhere. Uh, At this point, as um, Chloris Leachman is having an allergy attack, we hear Fozzie say allergies are nothing to sneeze at and then ralph says i'm allergic to cats myself
1: <laughs> and, and then and then we hear Fozzie say
0: really oh is that what he says
1: yeah because Fozzie is very interested in, in <laughs> Ralph's cat allergy
0: yeah it's, it's a cute joke and it happens when the two characters are off screen so i wonder if it's one of these things that was looped in later
1: i think they were in the studio recording their sounds for the um henchmen maybe in the in the Professor Craftsman scenes.
0: Yeah. Mm,
1: but it's. James Frawley said, let's throw in a Fozzie and Rolf exchange here.
0: Yeah. It, it's uh, not necessary, but it's a cute
1: joke. So, right before that, I think we hear Chloe Bridgman pick up the phone and call security. Yeah. And what I've never noticed until today is she says security, and then she says, this is Miss Tracy, which um, oh. late, we'll see next week. Lou Lord is going to address her as Miss Tracy over the intercom, but I never noticed said her own name until until watching it for this podcast
0: that's cool I, i've never been 100 percent sure whether she actually was miss tracy
1: yeah she says it she says security this is miss tracy
0: there we go see mm-hmm. we learn something new every week on this podcast
1: <laughs> indeed
0: uh, but here's the thing about this whole allergy attack it, it's an it's an attack of, of giving her an allergy attack so it's an allergy attack attack uh is this the meanest thing Kermit does in this movie because he's deliberately uh, incapacitating this woman,
1: right? Although, what I—I I mean, yes, it's mean. But then, as they're walking in, Kermit cheerfully says, "Thanks, Miss." On the way past,
0: yeah, I actually wrote down that same comment with the word "cheerful." So,
1: yeah, well, it's such yeah. a nice Kermity touch that, like, even though she's like sitting on the floor. Trying to catch her breath, desperately waving dander away from her face. Right. Just says thanks, miss.
0: Yeah, he he's totally uh yeah exploited her vulnerability and left her collapsed in a heap on the floor. But he's still nice.
1: <laughs>
2: I didn't think about that.
0: Yeah, it, it's it just seemed a little. You know, there's a lot of talk about what would Kermit do? What wouldn't Kermit do? Is Kermit a guy who's just nice to everybody all the time? So, I would argue that this is evidence that Kermit is not always nice to everybody all the time. Even though, ultimately, he still has the the friendly streak. Yes. Right. So, uh, she pushes the button, she opens the door, and the Muppets enter the large, uh, spacious, and uh, fancy-looking office of Lou Lord.
1: Well, I I actually counted. So we see that shot that shot of them walking head on, and then it cuts to a wide shot of all these tiny little Muppets walking across this enormous office. That shot, the second shot, lasts for 11 seconds.
0: The one where they're just walking across the room.
1: Yeah, the one where we just see them and they're tiny in the frame and we see the whole big office. And then they stop and it addresses Blue Lord. I think the fact that that shot is so long really helps this office feel gigantic.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: We're just looking at them dwarfed by this space for so long.
0: Right. And, you know, it, it's been commented on before and probably in previous episodes of this podcast. I don't remember, but that there, it's, there are parallels to be drawn between this story and the Wizard of Oz. So this is very much kind of like the moment where the gang enters the, the giant hall and approaches the Wizard of Oz. Sure. yeah hmm. to to request uh, all the things that they want from him um, although I, now that I'm looking at this shot this might be a real office which also explains why the Muppets are so small in the shot because they have to use like the couches and things to hide the puppeteers yeah yeah like they couldn't dig a hole in a real movie executive's office
1: right <laughs> you think it's well I guess they shot this in Los Angeles so it's not it's not the real blue
0: grade's office. Oh, no, that would that would be fun, though.
1: We should mention, for listeners who don't know, uh, Lou Lord is a parody or affectionate homage to Lou Grade, who we mentioned in uh, film, but was the producer of The Muppet Show and the producer of this
0: film. Yeah. Um, I see one, two, three, four, five Oscars yeah. um, behind Lou Lord's desk. So um, I guess in addition to uh, packaging blockbusters, he's also had critical acclaim with his movies. (laughs) So there's this great musical flourish too, that it's, it's like the kind of music cue that you associate with like somebody ascending to heaven or like a a ray of light coming down from heaven. It's, it's very much like this is a, this is it. This is the magical moment. We're here.
2: Yeah. I, so I haven't, I can't remember the last time I I watched, I mean, I, I, listen to the, the podcast of course but it's been a while since I've watched the movie and I so I couldn't remember like who Lou Lord was going to turn out to be and so I remember I was like looking down at the time because I was really nervous that I wasn't going to get to see the chair turn in the clip <laughs> and that I wasn't going to get to know who it was because I was like I don't remember who it is who is this guy um, So it, and that with the music it, it ended up being very suspenseful for me
0: yeah. Sure. Now here's the question, though. Did you actually recognize old Orson Welles when he turned around? I did not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> I I was like, oh. And then I googled, who who is that?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, so, who is that? Who is Orson Welles, Ryan?
0: Who is Orson Welles? Uh, uh,
1: uh, am I saying who Orson Welles is? Oh, okay. well,
0: I, whatever. He's a legendary actor and director. I'm he... happy to be. No, whatever. Yeah, he, he starred in and directed Citizen Kane and Touch of Evil, among many others. Um, by this point in his career, I was at a point where he was not above doing voiceovers for commercials for Frozen Peas. Huh. You, you can find those uh, the famous outtakes um, probably on YouTube, where he's doing a commercial for Find Us Frozen Peas, and he gets really cranky and starts uh, insulting the producers. Right. And but- and
1: honestly, millennials might recognize him best as the basis for Maurice LaMarche's voice of the brain on
0: Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain. Yeah. Yeah. Brain uh, is yeah. absolutely a riff on Orson Welles.
1: Right. Um, but also um, I was going to say, he also he he acted in many films that he didn't direct. Um, probably most memorably, The Third Man, A Man for All Seasons, and Transformers: The Movie.
0: Yeah, Transformers, the the animated movie, which was his last role.
1: Right. Yeah. He died in 1985. He died before it came out. In fact.
0: Yeah, kind of crazy that this this legendary figure of Hollywood, his last role was playing a like a giant talking planet in a movie based on action figures. <laughs>
1: He also, um, one thing we should mention, in 1979, the same year as the Muppet movie, he made a pilot for a talk show that did not get picked up.
0: Oh, I totally forgot to put this in my notes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's called The Orson Welles Show. This pilot is about 90 minutes long, I think. 90 minutes of actual talk show. Um, And among the guests were Jim Henson, Frank Oz, and The Muppets. Um, so, f- like that's when I saw it was it was on the it was on the Muppet tape trading circuit, um, you know in the in the early two thousands. I think I got it on DVD in about two thousand five or something.
0: Yeah, it's that paper. sounds about right.
1: Um, but so I wanted to just mention a couple of quotes from this. Uh, when he well, can we just to- say
0: though it is the weirdest thing? It's it, obviously it never made it to series. It's a pilot, and but the whole thing is. I can never I can, cannot imagine it ever becoming a series because it's a talk show, but he's filming it like a movie. Like right. it's it, obviously shot on film, and it has like
1: and it's in this very dark room with very minimal lighting. like there's yeah. light on him and the guests
0: right. Like um, everyone is surrounded by blackness and they're they're cutting to these reaction shots of the audience that and you get the sense that not everything was filmed at the same time. It's just right really right.
1: Well, and strange. like he comes up to a magic show. And yes. actually says the line, now is the time – what is it? The time has come for me to wear my Chinese costume. <laughs> what? That's, that's what he says, yes. Um, but what I was – what's, what's more, more relevant for our purposes, and I actually went and checked. Um, he introduces Frank Oz as a man who truly fits his name. And he introduces Jim Henson by saying – Picture Rasputin as an Eagle Scout. <laughs> so,
0: it's- well, the thing about Frank Oz is he goes, Orson Welles goes on a long, uh, like meandering speech about how we all read the books about the Land of Oz when we were children, and this man embodies the spirit of the Land of Oz that we all wish we could return to. It's it's just like you you can just imagine what was going through the minds of Jim and Frank doing that.
1: It's 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 and then various muppets show up. Kermit, Fozzie, I think Sam the Eagle is there. Um, So I mean, if you ever see it, it's if you ever get a chance to watch it, do because it's crazy. But
2: where do you? How do you? Where do you go to watch it?
1: You know, it used to be on YouTube. I I feel like I I I checked today and I couldn't find it. Ah, but uh, it I'm sure it'll turn up again at some point.
2: Oh, you guys yeah. are making me, like, not really want to watch it, but I kind of want to watch it now. I'm interested. <laughs> yeah,
1: <interesting.
0: laughs> yeah. And I think another quote worth uh, noting, and I, I again, I totally forgot to put this in my notes, so Anthony, I'm really glad you brought this whole thing up, is um, he's talking to Jim Henson about how impressive it is that he came up with all these characters, and at one point he's like, you took this squeaking box of dolls and turned it into an <laughs> entertainment empire. <laughs> that's that's not the verbatim quote, but he does say the phrase, Wait. squeaking box of, box of dolls.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Orson Welles, what does he do in this yes. movie, though?
0: anyway, uh, he turns around in his chair like a James Bond villain.
2: <laughs>
1: yes, and he does
0: yeah and there it is uh lou lord the the movie producer um he is smoking a big cigar and um i forget actually anthony have we talked about the the story about the tobacco product placement in this movie
1: Uh, no we have not and i don't know it
0: oh okay then so uh, a while back and i actually found an article from 1998 which was further back than i thought it was that this had come out but um There was a lawsuit against the Philip Morris Tobacco Company. And as part of that lawsuit, they had to release a bunch of internal documents, uh, including some documents that showed that they had made product placement deals with several movies that could conceivably be seen as movies that would appeal to children, Mm -hmm. including Grease and Crocodile Dundee, Who Framed Roger Rabbit?, Field of Dreams and the Muppet Movie. Um, so in this news article, it said Philip Morris supplied the Muppet Movie filmmakers with tobacco products, which means that they—I don't know if they like—they were giving everyone free cigarettes and cigars on the set, but it was—it was in exchange for them depicting characters smoking.
1: Right, but do you think anybody? I mean, I—I I, I guess whatever. I—it I, happened. Okay. But really, is anybody going to watch the Muppet movie as a kid? Be like, boy, Milton Burl and Orson Welles are smoking cigars.
0: <laughs> well, it's a great question. And I don't, I mean, it never would have occurred to me. Like, I want to be cool like Milton Burl and Orson Welles. And
2: Orson Welles.
0: Yeah. I, I, <laughs> neither of these are guys that I ever wanted to emulate necessarily. But um, I don't know. and I. So I also don't know who actually made the deal. If it was ITC, that would probably be my guess. Maybe... The actual Lord Great had something to do with it.
1: Yeah, a smoker himself.
0: Oh, there you go. So yeah, he might have been like, "Yeah, bring on all that free, all those free cigars. Give them to me." So uh, it's yeah, it's it's kind of a weird little footnote to the movie, and, and kind of um, <laughs> disappointing. But if any children are listening to this podcast, don't smoke.
1: <laughs> as, as as my three year old daughter likes to say. If you smoke, you can maybe die. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's true. Don't do it. Yeah, that should be on a poster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Kermit, upon the reveal of uh, of Lou Lord, here is nervous, but Miss Piggy encourages him, and Kermit begins his little speech. Uh, he says. Please, sir, my name is Kermit the Frog, and we read your ad, and, well, we've come to be rich and famous. And that's where this clip ends. We have
1: no so, idea if they will get to be rich and
0: famous. We don't know ah! if he's going to give them a deal, if he's going to kick him out of the office, if he's going to ask him if they want a cigar. Anything can happen, so we'll have to find <laughs> out next week.
1: Oh, so, I, I, wish, I wish he offered Kermit a cigar right here. I, I wouldn't think. that be
0: something? Well, I know there there's a, a page on Muppet Wiki of smoking Muppets. I don't know if Kermit has ever smoked. I think probably not. But but,
1: but Bobby Benson of Bobby Benson's famous Bobby Benson's Baby Band fame, he smoked yes. on the Muppet show all the time.
0: Bobby Benson had a cigarette attached to his lower lip. So yeah,
1: yeah. So he would run in and he'd just be like, "Yeah, Lou Lord, baby, give me that cigar. <laughs> I'm trying something new."
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Run off with a group of children that he probably kidnapped. What a what a
0: <laughs> what the weirdest Muppet. Oh man, okay. yeah, he's only really in one Muppet movie, right?
1: Uh, yeah, Muppets so, Most Wanted,
0: <laughs> yeah. So we won't get to talk about him in depth for a long time. So. For a
1: long time, I think he's at Kermit and Piggy's wedding. Uh, he's at both of Kermit and Piggy's two weddings the one that oh. the, the one that where they actually get married in Muppets, Manhattan, and the one where they don't in Muppets Most Wanted,
0: yeah. So stay tuned for future years of this podcast.
1: Do you guys know if the
2: all of these people doing cameos did they like get paid or are they doing it just were they good friends with Jim Henson or?
1: I would I, guess that I assume they got paid. The... I don't know that to be factual. I guess we could ask Steve Martin or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I,
0: I would guess that this might be the kind of thing where they got paid scale like the minimum amount to to be in this just because they wanted to although who knows some of these like steve martin was a pretty big star at the time and some of these people like bob hope might have wanted more money i don't know but right yeah i'm, I'm but, sure they all got paid something they might not have all gotten paid the same amount
1: yeah because I'm
2: I'm trying- they're all they're most of them are in it so briefly like or like how i'm just wondering like how much did Cloris leachman get paid for her for her role in this
1: Right. How, how, how much did Carol Kane get paid to sh- turn around and say, yes, twice?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Although Carol Kane uh, presumably had to be on set for more than one day.
1: Right. Because those are two scenes in very different locations.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, we've come to the end of the clip. So uh, any other thoughts, comments, anything? Uh, Aaron, I'll start with you.
2: Um, no, I don't think so.
0: So are you going to uh, go back and watch the rest of this movie to the end so you know what happens?
2: I am because, you know, had I, if not for Google, I actually would not remember what happened next. So oh. now I have to go back and, and watch the whole thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, you got to watch this again. So I guess uh, another thing, we, we often ask the guests to rank all the Muppet movies, but I don't I don't know would you based on what you remember about them all would you say this one is your favorite do you remember which one is your favorite
2: i i can't really confidently say i guess especially because if i i don't want to say one and then have and then have all of you muppet fanatics be like oh that's the worst one well
1: (laughs) all all opinions are valid
2: yeah. No, I and, I uh, I don't know. I'll have to. I mean, I'm this. I'm motivated now to go back and watch this one and some of the other ones. So, I'll I'll get back to you.
0: Great. Yeah. And you cool. know, if not before, I'll I'll bring all the Blu-rays home for Christmas.
2: Yeah. There we go. That's and and
0: I can tell you from when we did our Muppetational May challenge on Twitter, every Muppet movie is somebody's favorite and somebody's least favorite. Really. Yeah. So there are no wrong answers. Although Muppets from space is not good.
2: Yes. Yeah. But there are a few, I could say that I know you would probably be a, a little bit judgy about it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Muppets from space is not good, but it's not the worst Muppet movie. All right. All
0: we'll
1: right. talk about, we'll talk about we'll that. come back video. around to
0: that. So Anthony, did you have any final thoughts? No,
1: I just wanted to talk about the Orson Welles show for a long time. So I got to do that.
0: I'm glad we did. I want to go watch that now. Yeah, me too. And with that, we will wrap things up for this week. So listeners, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet as well as on Facebook and Twitter and various other places. You can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. You can find Anthony on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. And Aaron, is there anywhere on the internet people can find you?
2: Um, No.
0: <laughs> Good <Not> answer. Really. <laughs> Don't fall down the Twitter rabbit hole.
2: Yeah, I'm not on Twitter. I'm not cool enough.
0: More power to you so uh in that case uh, listeners if you have a minute please give us a positive review on Apple podcasts or iTunes or any other podcast app that lets you rate and review and tell all your friends about the show and we'll see you back here next week for another episode of moving right along
1: goodbye goodbye. goodbye. <laughs>
2: to Europe and I wandered around and I met a lot of other puppeteers and in the course of that little trip I found that you know it was a really it was a good art form and people were doing interesting things and it was something that uh, you could get into and develop and, and turn into something else something you could develop something you could change well, that's what you did all right Puppets are very ancient entertainers. They don't just go back to the crib. They go back to the cave. I'm afraid they were beginning to show their age a little until you came along and dragged that whole squeaking box of dolls into the 20th century, into the mainstream. Big time. The Muppets, for my money, are the most original thing that ever happened on the box.
1: Don't you agree?